Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times. And today I'm sitting across from five young people who just graduated from high school. And we're going to have a conversation about uh, what they're going to do next and a little bit about what their life's been like for uh, the last few years. Mary Catherine can't be with us today. She had quite an interesting evening with her son Dylan who just had tonsillitis. So uh, I'm doing this by myself with these five folks. But they're going to be doing most of the talking. Uh, In the studio are Stephen Zerfus from Bloomington High School North. Caitlin Adams from Bloomington High School South, Caleb Goss from Edgewood High School, Rachel Faulkner from Lighthouse Christian, and Keeler Gilbert from Eastern Green. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And you can join us on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Thanks for being in here. I really appreciate you all coming in. We've uh, we've had this show several times. It's really one of Mary Catherine and my favorite shows to do because we get to talk to a lot of bright young people. Um, and I'm sorry that she can't be with uh, with us today, but uh, I'll try to do my best uh, to <laughs> to carry on without her. Um, you know, we we talk about we've, there's so many different topics that we can we can hit, but I think I, I want to give you the opportunity to introduce yourselves a little better than I just did. I'll, we'll start uh, with Keeler, and you can talk a little bit about, uh, you know, who you are and what you're doing next. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name's Keeler Gilbert from Eastern Green, like you said. Um, I, uh, over the summer, I'm a swimmer, so I'm going to be doing that a lot. Um, and next year, I'll be going to Yale. So um, I'm really into mathematics, and I'm, I'm not really sure what to expect next, but I'm excited. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, okay. Stephen? Well, I'm Steven Zervis. I'm, uh, I just graduated from Bloomington High School North, and I'm uh, going, to, going to Notre Dame, and I'm looking to either make, ma- major in mechanical engineering or business. Mm-hmm. All right. Katie? Um, my name's Caitlin Adams, but I go by Katie, and um, I am a reg- recent graduate of Bloomington High School South, and um, I'll be headed to DePaul University next year in Greencastle. And um, I'm really excited about that, but I really have no idea exactly what I'll be doing. Um, but my interests lie in English and Latin and um, political science and very varied interests. So we'll see what happens. So <laughs> Okay. Rachel? Um, I'm Rachel Faulkner. I just graduated from Lighthouse Christian Academy, and um, I will be going to Abilene Christian University in Texas. Um, to be a musical theater major. Uh, I do musical theater like every summer, so I'm really excited about what the future holds for me. All right. And Caleb? I'm Caleb Goss, and I just graduated from Edgewood. And um, next year I'll be attending Purdue uh, and hopefully get a major in mechanical en- engineering or applied physics. So, All right. This could be a, a first. No IU people in the room. <laughs> wow. It's no pretty idea. amazing. All right. So what went into your college choices? I mean, is it, was it specifically what you want to study, where you wanted to live? Who wants to go first? I'll take it. All right, Steve. Yeah. The college process was a mess, just flat out. It was ridiculous. Um, I started off with like a list of 24 schools that I got online and that I decided kind of fit, uh, kind of programs I wanted. And I didn't want to go t- uh, too far away in some situations, and I wanted to go to certain parts of the country. And I, um, over time, I narrowed it down. And what it came down to is I, I felt looking into both engineering and business, there's there were a lot of colleges out there that fit those programs, but there weren't very many colleges out there that had the kind of the people and the atmosphere I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, that became the biggest part of the college process. I ended up, uh, I, I, like I said, I ended up at Notre Dame, but there were um, a bunch of different schools that I looked at, and it, it really came down to a mix between what, what people felt was a priority. I mean, education is first, but even before the education, I feel it's really important to have people first. And so mm-hmm. the, the idea of working together and a lot of community service mm-hmm. is what went into my college college process. Mm-hmm. Rachel, was that you that said agreed? Uh, I agreed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was looking for colleges, I had a, a 
basically a guidance counselor in Joy Chayton, and she was really helpful to me. She here in Bloomington. Um, she prepped me, and she had me make a list of colleges. And basically, uh, it was high education, but also who specialized in my field. Like, I really was looking for a top-notch excellence in musical theater, and I found it in Abilene. So um, I was really happy about that. And it was just a mess. I mean, you think applying to, like, three colleges is crazy? Uh, Twelve. Like, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a little much. And auditioning is just crazy. So mm-hmm. that Kate, was Katie, you're, you're nodding your head. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, going into the college like selection, I w- the really the only thing I knew was the kind of school I wanted to look at. I knew I was looking at small liberal arts colleges, um, but that I mean it doesn't narrow it down as much as you think it would. Um, and so I ended up down to two schools, which were very very different. I had Reed College in Portland, Oregon, and then DePaul, which is an hour away. So and they're very very different schools, but I mean still qualify small liberal arts college. So, um, and I mean, I'm very, so I I knew what I wanted. And so it was easy for me to to kind of narrow things down. But once it was down to those two, it was very, very tough because in like the current economy and everything, of course, it came down to the money. Mm -hmm. And, but DePauw really has gifted, like I've been very generous and um, it's just been very clear that, that that's, where I'm supposed to be, and they've really been generous. Well, so. good, good news for us is that Greencastle uh, has this program on every Friday, so you can listen to us when you're over <laughs> there. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, Keeler, are you the first Eastern student who's gone to Yale? Um, yeah, actually, yeah. I don't think uh, any other Eastern Green students have been to Ivy Leagues, but I remember a couple years ago a kid did go to um, UCLA, mm-hmm. and uh, – he was he was a very very strange guy, but <laughs> he was a really really fun guy to talk to. But um, yeah, and I mean it was a it was a difficult decision, and it was definitely difficult um, going through the college process. But um, there were and like everybody said, there are a lot of colleges, and when you're trying to apply to twelve colleges, um, it it can get really messy. Um, luckily, I didn't I didn't have that problem. Um, I applied early decision, and so um, I got my acceptance in the middle of December and it was really nice because I could just drop all the applications I was filling out and celebrate Christmas without paperwork and mm-hmm. it was it was really nice. But. <laughs> Caleb, what did your decision come down to? Um, for me, it was really between Rose Holman and Purdue from the start. I, uh, I wanted to get out of home but be close enough that I could come back a couple hours and get, if I forgot something. <laughs> so um, uh, it was between Purdue and Rose Holman and uh, for me, it was really which college pursued me and um, showed an interest in that they wanted me to come there. And for Purdue, it was I was getting emails every day, something in the mail every day, showing saying we're excited for you to come. Uh, they, I got an, a letter that wasn't an acceptance letter, but a letter saying that you probably accepted. Um, and that was before the, even the early acceptance thing. So that was that was cool to get that and show that they had an interest in me. Mm-hmm. And it pretty much just sem- cemented my. Decision there. So. Mm-hmm. Now I I know uh, I think Stephen mentioned community service, and I wanted to ask about that. You know, all uh, five of you were named to the uh, HT Scholastic Stars. Our first year of doing that, and I appreciate the fact that you all applied, and, and we're very proud to have all of you on that team. But one thing's that, one of the things that struck me in looking through all the applications of all the sixty seven students who applied was how much service. Uh, service work that everybody who applied had done, and some, of course, had done a lot more than others. And, and I, I would like for you to talk a little bit about about your passions in terms of community service. I mean, what is it that really makes you uh, want to do it, and what what are the areas that you like to work in? Who wants to go first? Keeler? Sure, I'll go first. Um, I'm a member of the National Honor Society at my school, mm-hmm. and um, We've done a lot of different things with that organization. Um, we've done bell ringing, which is one of my favorite activities. I don't know. There's just something really, I don't know, childish about it that really brings it back back to my childhood. I don't know. I just think it's fun because you always see them out in front of, like, Walmart or something, and then now you're doing it and you get to dress up. It's, it's really fun. Um, and then uh, we helped out in Thanksgiving with the uh, Monroe County uh, Food Bank uh, our food drive, and uh, we gave turkeys away for Thanksgiving, and it w- it was just, I mean, it's definitely really rewarding, um, but it's also really fun just to go out with some of your friends and do this do this stuff, and um, there's, 
I mean, there's rewarding, and then there's there's just just friendship, and I, I don't know. I really really liked it. It's a social atmosphere that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, you talk about uh, you know the, the your peer group doing it. Do you find that that there are a lot of kids at Eastern who are really eager to get out and help people? Um, yeah, there are. Um, actually, I remember uh, one of my friends way way back in like fifth grade. Um, we ter- decided to do um, it was a canned food drive, and I think we ended up getting like. It was it was in the thousands. We had the room was full of cans, and everybody just I don't know if it was so much giving back as it was just a competition between the classrooms. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's there's a definite a lot of camaraderie with yeah with that activity. Now, Stephen, I know you've been involved in a lot of things. Yeah, um, just community service in a lot of ways has become a pretty big activity for me uh, more recently than it has anything else. Um, at this point, I'm, I almost think of my community service activities as a commitment and on the same level as my as my academics or my sports teams and it it's kind of it's kind of a an interesting story how it came to be like that um for my as long as i can remember my mom has always said uh why do you hope because you can and um but it wasn't until i just until i got older that i was able to kind of take a look at that and realize w- what exactly that means and and make that to kind of pers- motivate me to go out and find community service activities but the one thing that i found in the last couple years that's really interesting is or that's really rewarding to me is that no matter how much effort you put into community service no matter how much time no matter how much effort you always get more in return Mm -hmm. and i think i'm so i began to realize that a lot of my peers began to realize that um in the last couple years i did i put on the carlos cup i had a, a family friend of mine an eighth grader who was diagnosed with osteosarcoma and so my friend, my family and I put on a uh, an indoor soccer tournament, and we uh, it was, it won't get into the whole story, but we ended up raising over four thousand dollars, and it made the paper, and a ton of friends, over three hundred people showed up. It was it was pretty cool. And then mm-hmm. I've I've been a part of uh, Habitat for Humanity. I'm the co-president this year, at North, and so I'm with seventy students, seventy friends, and we go out and build houses every weekend. Mm-hmm. Every weekend. Uh, not every not weekend. Every. A lot of weekends. <laughs> we uh, together we get out almost every weekend. Yeah. But I only get the shift. Yeah. Every so often. Right. Okay. Katie, what's what's your main passion when it comes to service? Um. Well, mostly my service. Um, I find it through my youth group at uh, my church, which is Clear Creek Christian, and um, I find that to be really rewarding. I mean, we and we just do little things, and I think that's something that um, when you're talking about the rewards, you know, you don't have to save the world, and I think that our generation has realized that that you know, like. We are passionate about the world issues, the big issues, but I also think that we understand that you can just, you know, you can help a neighbor, you can mow a lawn, you can rake leaves, you can um, paint a house, build a house. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be something huge. And um, that's what I've found is that it's just really rewarding just to do the little things and it brings people together. That's mm-hmm. the thing that I've also found about my community service because our, our youth group really, we find that community when we're working together mm-hmm. and um, not just hanging out. It's when we're working for other people, that's when we're closest. Mm-hmm. So um, that's the best thing for me that I found yeah, about yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get an answer from the other two, but I want to remind our listeners that we're talking, I'm talking today with uh, five uh, people who have just graduated from high school and are heading off to Yale, Notre Dame, DePaul, Abilene, Christian, and Purdue here in the next uh, couple of months. So if you want to talk to them too and talk, find out what uh, they're thinking as they uh, end one part of their lives and head off to another, you can call us at 855-0811-1877-285-9348 and our website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Rachel? Um, my passion for serving um, has been really developed through my, my school and through my church. Um, my church actually helped me with my my uh, career passion, which is uh, the musical theater and the arts. Uh, we put on free sh- – I joined a group, a drama arts group, that put on free shows like in the park and for Boys and Girls Club. And we just exposed them to the arts because be- being my passion, I feel like people should get to see those kinds of things even if they don't have the money to go see it. Um, so that's my church, and I, there's a lot of other things you can do with church, obviously. But um, and then my school, um, Lighthouse Christian Academy, they're really passionate about service. Uh, we take a retreat in the fall, and we go and serve. And it's like getting to know each other. It's like building friendships at the beginning of the year so that you all know each other. But then also, it's about serving your community and giving back before we even start. And at the end, on our field day, we all went and cleaned up Clear Creek Park. So mm-hmm. it was really – and everyone's pretty much happy to do it. So, <laughs> Caleb? 
Uh, I mean, I'm the same with these guys. Uh, we've done canned food drives in my school, National Honor Society, um, church activities. But for me, the uh, most important thing about community service and where I like to uh, um, put my talents in is um, being a role model to younger kids. Um, growing up, something that inspired me to do well in school and be in sports was watching people who live in my na- like older people who live in my neighborhood at the school who um, I wanted to be like them. And I've, I've just tried to be like that. Uh, for younger kids, so I uh, I volunteer at the Wonder Lab, um, uh, just helping kids around the museum, fixing broken exhibits, so, so forth. Mm-hmm. But um, I also I cadet teach for my mom. Uh, she's a first and second grade teacher at the Edgewood Primary School, and so uh, every day I go over there uh, for a third period and I help out with their students and just just try to be a big brother to them. So that's so. How I'd... So what's your favorite exhibit at Wonder Lab? I mean, when, hmm. if you go over there just to play, what do you uh, what do you like? Hmm. Probably. <laughs> Probably the hot air balloon. It's yeah? the biggest. It's coolest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Well, you know, you've all talked a lot about um, how service provides you with sort of a peer group. Um, and I, I guess it's, uh, you know, I'm summarizing what you've all been saying, but but it sounds like that's part of your social life really is the service yeah. that you do. Is that right? Right. Absolutely. You want to expand on yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, definitely um, – it's part of like uh, community service is part of my social life, but then again, my social life is part of community service. They kind of tie together, um, and uh, I think, I mean, I don't know, like being a part of doing doing the community service. It really does. It brings everybody in your peer group together, and it it just makes a really great atmosphere to do something that's good for the community, but also just do it together. I don't know. It's it's really hard to explain, but mm-hmm. I just that's where I feel closest to my friends. It mm-hmm. takes less concentration off of, it takes concentration off of self and more about others, which I feel like yeah. in high school it is all about self. Like you yeah. fend for yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So this is kind of a selfless act and it helps us to grow together as peers. Mm-hmm. I, I want, I'm interested in the fact that we have a lot of different kinds of high schools represented. Rachel from Lighthouse Christian, I mean, how many were in your graduating class? Eleven. Eleven? Okay. Um, you know, what, what do you think were the advantages of being in such a small school? Well, we all know each other mm-hmm. and everyone's mom and everyone's dog. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you just grow up with these people and you learn to care about them and you learn. And I know that other people say that you have to deal with different people at public school, but at private school, you really have to deal with different people because you only have them. And so if you don't necessarily mesh – well, you're going to be together for a long time. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. you really you really get to know a different group of people, and they're, we're all different. It's like you take one person out of one group at every every like click you have at a public school, and you have one of those at Lighthouse, just one. So you all have to match. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Caleb and, and Keeler, I think Edgewood and Eastern – Edgewood's bigger than Eastern. but Oh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you're not as big as North and South. So mm-hmm. what were some of the things that you liked about your school, Keeler? Um, uh, I – I really liked having a smaller school because uh, at, at a larger school, I mean, there are a lot of people to meet. There are a lot of different areas where you can fit in a lot of different niches. But at Eastern, I think we had like 87 kids in our graduating class, and I knew every single one of them. And I was able to clap and yell their name when they walked up and got their diploma. And, I mean, it was it was really cool. And there's it's when you're in a smaller school um, – like like you said earlier, I mean, when you're in a smaller school, you have to know everybody and you have to get along with everybody. And But it's not a have to. It's more that you get to. And everybody does get along. And at Eastern, it's it's a lot – it's a lot – it's different from what you see on television because everybody is – really, really knows each other. Everybody gets along really well. And it's – you kind of have to, but you get to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was, uh, Keeler and, and Rachel, was there anything that you thought you might have missed by being in a smaller school? Was there anything that you – well, I know that the public schools have a lot of arts opportunities, so sometimes I was like, oh, no. But I feel like high school high school productions are high school productions. So yeah, I was yeah. like, well, I'm in some. So it was, And the ones we had were great, so I was really happy that I got to do it. And mm-hmm. I knew I would get cast. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Caleb, the same question, you know, about, I mean, Eastern, how, how, or Edgewood, how many graduates? Uh, just under 200, just 193, I think. Uh-huh. So, um, so about twice, a little more than twice as big as Eastern. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing about Edgewood I really like is it's small enough to be a small school, per se, but uh, so you know everyone, the teachers know you, you can have, like, the, the teachers have a more personal connection with you. Um, 
but it's also big enough that we can compete in sports. Uh, we yeah. can, uh, we can, we can have bigger musical productions. And our our show choirs and our band, like our band, was second in state this year. So it's mm-hmm. it's cool that we uh, we're big enough to compete in things, but we're also small enough that teachers can connect with us and mm-hmm. know everyone. Now our, our north and south representative, because your graduating <laughs> classes were considerably bigger. Um, what, what were the advantages and the disadvantages, do you think, of, of being in a large, comprehensive high school? Well, all the, all the small schools have just pointed out some really good things I hadn't thought about. But um, <laughs> there, I, I had a great time at North. Um, our, I think our graduating class was around 376, so a little bit bigger than Edgewood and significantly bigger than our 11 over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, I, I loved it because uh, I mean I didn't I did not know everybody who walked up on the graduation stage, but all throughout all four years I was in high school there was always a new opportunity to meet somebody new to meet a group of people somebody new and um, whether or not it's uh, it was the amount of people we had there there were so many opportunities and so many resources at North that um, you can you you can make you get what you put into it so. Mm-hmm. The uh, the idea um, I Rachel mentioned clicks earlier, and the idea there I guess in a lot of ways there are groups of people that hang out together at a at a public school or at a bigger school, and but the there are things you can do to to still hang out with all the different groups or or mix the groups. Um, interesting, just a minute ago you asked about what kind of social effect community service has, and community service is really cool because. A lot of groups, um, soccer, everybody has soccer in common, or band, everybody has band in common. But community service, almost every single person has the idea that uh, why do you help? Because you can, or it's it's rewarding to help. And so by by sticking with community service and some of your extracurricular activities, you really are able to reach out and get across those click barriers, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Katie? I would echo what uh, Stephen said. Um, earlier in what he just said about um, you get what you put into it Um, because I found at South you know there are a lot of people and I feel like a lot of kids just kind of fall through the cracks I mean I don't I don't know that for sure but because I don't know because I wasn't wasn't one of them so um, because I really found that where I invested my time I really did connect with my teachers and I felt like I was at a small school because I did get that attention from um, individuals um, and um, that were around me and I had I had quite a few teachers that really invested themselves, and I was really impressed by that because I know it's not just me, uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I guess being a part of a bigger school, yes, there's tons of people, but you still, I mean, you still manage to. Um, you're searching for things like that, you know. You're um, you're looking for the opportunities to to bond and to not just be a part of the crowd. Right. So. All right. I want to ask one more question before we take our, our break, and that's about uh, role models. Uh, Caleb mentioned he likes to be a role model for younger people. Who? I, I want you to think about your teachers as role models. I mean, what made what makes a really really good teacher in a high school setting mm-hmm. today? Um, Keeler, I'll go ahead and start. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of really good teachers at Eastern. Um, one teacher who did stand out and probably has really influenced my decision to major in mathematics or major in something related to mathematics when I go off to college um, was Candace Kaywood. Um, she was my calculus teacher, and she would come in. School started at 8, and it would end at 3, and she would come in at like 6.15 every morning, and all these kids would come in who had her for a trig or for a calc or something, and they would come in, and they would. she would work with them, and she would help them with their homework and um, show them how to do different things, and she made it possible for me to um, take higher-level math classes, um, higher-level calculus um, at Eastern because since there aren't many kids, um, those higher-level math classes don't have many students. And um, I was actually the only one in uh, my Calc BC class, and she would come in early and work with me from 7 to 8 in the morning, and I was able to get a credit in that. I was able to take that class. And I, I think a teacher who really goes above and beyond mm-hmm. um, time-wise um, – really makes that really makes um an excellent high school teacher mm-hmm. okay uh, steven uh for me the all the teachers that come to mind that really had an impact on me was they they all had they were all able to really relate to their students and really demonstrate that there was there was a mutual respect between the teacher and the student it's a uh, it was it was a mutual learning in school it was kind of a mutual activity rather than a an authoritative and subject and subject activity and so all all the teachers i can think about are teachers that uh, I would have conversations with outside of the material people that I would work with in extracurricular things and most of all people who uh, were able to 
it, honestly, I, I felt they honestly felt that if I had a question, they, it was their job, and, and they, they were in a position where they could answer it. And if they didn't know the answer, then they would, they would come back to me the next day and say, hey, look, I looked, I looked up that information. I got, I got the answer for you mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Okay. I couldn't say it any better than he just said. I mean, everything he was saying, I was like, I agree with that too. Um, because We're going to have to start at the other end. <laughs> exactly. No, but – well, no, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, no. Because um, that's exactly – I mean, you're describing my best teachers at South too, um, the kind that I can tell care about you as people and the, the kind that respect us as students even you know we're so young and we're so inexperienced but they respect the ideas that we do have and the opinions that we do have however you know however unbased they may be you know and um i just um i really respect um the teachers that i did have for that because i think it takes um a very strong person to um to work with high school students who are so <laughs> young. And, <laughs> and so, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, I've had a lot of great uh, high school teachers or just teachers in general at Lighthouse. Um, but the ones that stand out to me all, no matter what subject they were teaching, they were very clear to the student, like what was going on and who's responsible for what. Like they're clear. And I love that. I like being very clear about what's happening. And I like um, – they were good communicators. They weren't just specialized in their field. They were good communicators. So even if I had a history teacher who had to teach math or she oh, – I love this teacher. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, she could teach math really well because – well, she knows it, but also she's a great communicator. So that really helps the student. Mm-hmm. If they can just talk to you, you can get it. Like, so it's okay. really about communication and being very clear. All right. <laughs> Caleb? Uh, I mean, I couldn't agree with all all four of these guys, but um, for me, one thing that really stood out for me was uh, my AP physics teacher, uh, Matthew Hitchings. He we didn't use our book in that class that we were assigned, and it's it's like learning for the sake of learning. It's not learning to pass the tests. It's not learning to uh, just meet all the state requirements. It's learning to learn the material and become more educated about a certain field and become more ready to take on the next level. And that was really cool for me because. I mean, he's the smartest guy I've ever met in my life, and you really, you really understood that he knew his stuff, and he was trying to get you to understand it the same way. And it was using the book was like, a, like a secondary source that uh, he didn't feel was necessary because it was coming from him instead of other people who were saying it. So, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, uh, when we come back, I think we're going to talk a little bit about. You know, some of the problems that the world is facing, we're going to you know, go to a little different type of conversation. Uh, we're going to start at the other end too so that we get the, they, get to, they get to talk first. Um, again, we're talking with uh, students who have just graduated from high school from North South Edgewood, Lighthouse Christian and Eastern. You're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. Listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org, and the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 745. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, and I'm talking today with Stephen Zerfus from Bloomington High School North, Caitlin Adams from Bloomington High School South, uh, formerly 
I should say, <laughs> graduates <laughs> of Caleb Goss, uh, recent graduate of Edgewood, Rachel Faulkner from Lighthouse Christian, and Keeler Gilbert from Eastern Green. If you have questions or uh, comments for these bright young people, you can call us, or for me, by the way, you can call us at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. And the website is wfiu.org slash noon edition. Um, I was struck by something Katie said in the first half of the show about with service, you know, you don't have to solve the biggest problems in the world. You you can just approach smaller things and serve in a lot of different ways. So, you know, this might be a tough topic for me to introduce. But, you know, there are a lot of things going on in the world today that, you know, the wars, two wars, Afghanistan and and Iraq, I would imagine some of your classmates have decided to join the service Mm -hmm. instead of going away to school. Um, you know, you've got the situations going on in the Gulf of Mexico with the oil rig and the oil is fouling the Gulf of Mexico. Um, you've got health care issues that, you you know, you, you don't probably have to worry about that much because you're all very healthy. But a lot of – but your parents probably are trying to figure out how to pay health bills and, of course, jobs in the economy. I mean some of, the, some of your classmates who are going to be not going to, to the army or the military, not going away to college, have to figure out how to, how to make the – you know – Pay the bills. So, I mean, when you think about those bigger issues, I mean, which, which ones of those, um, you know, do you spend any time thinking about or do you? I mean, is it just something that, that you think, well, I'll, I'll get to that later? Who wants to start? Caleb? I mean, as bad as all those issues may sound like um, on the surface, you know, the oil spill is obviously terrible and everything. But um, I think if you take like a positive outlook on it and say like, going off to college, this is something that I can – find a solution to um and not not obviously not the whole thing but you can you can use that as a motivation to do your part and find some way that you can contribute to that and um instead of just accepting that it's a bad thing obviously um just try to find a way to help out and do your part and i think that's the that's the main uh issue with like all these uh global issues is to look at find the positive side of it and Find a way that just you individually can do your part. Don't let them paralyze you by thinking they're just too big. Right, right. right. Okay. Yeah. Rachel? Um, as for current events goes, I feel like I have a lack of knowledge. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I try to keep up. Um, uh, the wars, I don't know much about. But the economy is definitely something that hits all of us in this specific time right now going yeah. to college. Mm-hmm. We're all wondering, okay, how is this going to pan out? I mean um, – so that's, I mean, it's kind of a selfish one, but yeah. <laughs> that one's definitely first and foremost in my mind that I am thinking about. I'm like, what can we do to help the economy? Is there a way to help it? And though I'm not an economics major by any means, mm-hmm. um, I I think that going to college and being well educated and and keeping pursuing my education, I'll be able to find ways to help out. Just like Caleb said, um, have a positive light on this and just do your best to contribute okay. however you can. All right, Katie. Yeah, I mean, it's an intimidating thing to think about, like, going – it makes you just want to keep going to school because then you don't have to actually get out there and <laughs> get into the job market. Um, but at the same time, you know, school is really expensive, so can't really do that for every either. Um, but um, I think it, I think it does make you want to shut down. It makes you just want to be like, well, there's nothing we can do, so I guess we'll just have to live with it. But, I mean, you, you both are very optimistic, so I guess I should be too. Um, <laughs> Because, I mean, that's all we can do. We're young, so we should be ignorant enough to think that we can change things. So, <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Stephen. Well, I think all three of them are, have hinted at something that I was going to say, that current um, – not, not current events, but the, the problems that we find on the global scale that we hear about in the media all day, every day, t- all together, and, and even the, the big problems like the oil spill individually or the economy, these problems are so huge they often come across really overwhelming. And uh, I, I feel that I, for one, and a lot of my peers, uh, they kind of push them off to the side. They're overwhelming. These, these problems are too much to handle. I can't do anything, so I'm not going to address it. And, but something that I've uh, I mentioned in the first half of the show that I've kind of uh, I've been changing throughout, especially through my high school career, um, I've, I've found that on, on a global scale, these problems are all overwhelming. But on a much smaller scale, on the local level, on the community level, they, there are things that can be done. There are little things that can be done. And those... Uh, so that's why I find my optimism is that you you do what you can and you you really take it one day at a time. You scale everything down to what you can do, and then that's how you play your part. That's how you put your part down. 
And so uh, specifically what I'm, what I'm referring to, I suppose, is, is the issue of poverty because that's just – I mean it's poverty with a capital P. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> and, uh, but if you do a little bit here and there and you help around the community – that's a start. Mm-hmm. That's your habitat experience. Yeah, right? uh-huh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, Keely. Yeah, I couldn't agree with Stephen more. I mean, you gotta. I mean, these are huge problems, but and I mean, what what Katie said earlier. I mean, just do what you can. You don't have to do something huge. You can do something small, and then eventually, those small acts of kindness or small acts of um, contribution to the community are going to build up and surface into something big that you can resolve. And although I can't think of any small acts you can do to resolve the, the Gulf's oil spill, but, um, I mean, you you got to do your part just a little bit every now and then, and it's not, it's not difficult. I mean, you, you don't have to go out of your way to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I, you, look into, you look in the media and you see this, this huge oil spill, and really, I mean, like Rachel said earlier, I don't have... I don't have a lot of knowledge about these current current world events. But. Well, well I, you know, maybe it'll make you feel a little better. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of an older guy, and it's it's daunting. I mean, it's hard for anybody of any age to really get your arms wrapped around these issues. They're just I just uh, you know I, I appreciate your answers because they really do show a, a sense of you know from optimism to at least. From great optimism to at least a little bit of optimism. <laughs> All right. We have a couple phone calls. A couple of people want to talk to you. So Kelly's first. Kelly? Is Kelly on there? Hi, there. Hi Kelly. Yes, I, yes, I am. Um, first of all, I just want to congratulate all the students. Um, your families and teachers should be extremely proud. You're, you're very well versed in, in world affairs, and um, you're, you're probably doing everyone much, much pride by – by your accomplishments, so congratulations. The question I have is, you're all pretty accomplished students, and, you know, in Indiana we have this issue of brain drain, and I just, I hope that you guys want to continue to, to go out and get your education and get some experience, but I hope that you want to come back to Indiana and apply all those incredible things you've learned back here in the state. I guess my question for you is, as a member of the current workforce in her, we'll say, 30-somethings, um, <laughs> what can I be doing? What can I be doing to help better prepare an environment that, that young professionals, professionals want to come to Indiana and stay in Indiana and um, encourage impressive folks like you? We lose so many to Chicago and East Coast and West Coast, so we, we want to keep you home. What, what can we do to, to keep you here? Katie. Um, well, I don't know what you can do personally. I know that um, I think there is some appeal to um, living in a place like Indiana. I know personally I want to come back to Bloomington, um, and I, I mean that's what I feel like right now. But um, and maybe it's just Bloomington and maybe it, the rest of Indiana has issues. But um, <laughs> but I really love Bloomington, and I want to come back. So um, I don't I, – I really – I can't tell you what you should do personally to um, help us want to come back, but I know that – that there is at least some appeal to some of us um, to stay here. So. Have you have you all heard that term brain drain? I mean, is that? Yeah. that I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it's a, yeah. Some some have, some haven't. But it's you know basically that a lot of bright people who go away um, find better opportunities. <clears throat> excuse me, outside of Indiana, and so the uh, you know that intellect, that intelligence gets taken from Indiana and is uh, sent someplace else. Yeah. So that's well, what it is. I think, I think that's a really good question, Kelly. Um, just from, again, I'm kind of in the spot where I can't come up with any immediate ideas, but uh, just I think the acknowledging that kind of the issue in the first place is a start and seeing, seeing what you can do. I, for one, uh, I don't know where, where my life's going to take me, but I'm in the same boat as Katie that I have no problem with staying in Indiana. I'm actually incredibly fortunate right now. I got... Uh, one of the programs that was um, that came about to address the brain drain is called the Lily Scholar Program, and uh, that program is going to pay my tuition in Notre Dame. So, I uh, Indiana is sounds like a great place to be for me. If pay my tuition, that's for sure. Right. Okay. Any other thoughts on that, Caleb? I mean, um, I think as a suggestion, it's kind of like the college search for me, um, pursuing individuals and letting them know that they want you. Obviously, I mean that's kind of like the job market in a nutshell, but. Um, for me, I just I want to know that if wherever I go, I'm going to be wanted there, and obviously you want me to come there. And so I mean, I don't know if that's calling or emailing, however however it's easiest for you. And I know that you're obviously not huh, you're pretty busy in your these days, but um, just making me feel like 
I'm wanted and needed in your area. So The opportunities huge. have to be there, right? I mean, you yeah. have to have opportunity, whatever you choose to do. I mean, if you're in musical theater, there have to be opportunities in Indiana as opposed to New York or Absolutely. Los Angeles, or you're going to live in New York and Los Angeles. Yeah, right? the immediate draw is go to a coast, like <laughs> right. get out, do, do your thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not leaving Indiana for college because I wanted to. I applied to IU, and I applied to, you know, local places in the Midwest and all over, but that's just where I felt like I should be. Uh, Being in the community, though, Bloomington, Indiana is a great place. I feel like we haven't been hit as hard as other places. It's it's a great place to be. So you've got that pulling for you. (laughs) And everybody's talking, you guys are all talking about opportunities, and that's definitely a huge motivation um, to stay in Indiana, but in addition to motivate, or in addition to um, to the opportunities and uh, the job opportunities here, you, I really am looking for like a place where I feel really comfortable, where I want to live, where I want to grow up, where I want to stay, and I really like it out here in Indiana. Um, I really like the rural aspect of Indiana because mm-hmm. it's beautiful out here, mm-hmm. and although at this point I am kind of sick of high school and the whole life here as living with my parents, living under them. Um, I'm ready to move out and go to college outside of Indiana, see what else is out there, and so then I can really understand and really appreciate Indiana for how great it is. Mm -hmm. So I probably, I can see myself coming back. I'm not sure what my Mm -hmm. future holds. Right. Definitely. Right. Okay, Kelly, thanks a lot. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. All right. Thanks Thanks. a lot for the call. Uh, We have another call, and this comes from Lisa. Lisa? Hi, uh, thank you for taking my call, and I want to echo the first caller's comments to uh, congratulate everyone. Um, I I have some connections with at least some of you. I grew up in Bloomington, graduated from North, and I hold uh, degrees from DePauw and Yale. So, (laughs) here. The question I keep wondering as I as I listen to you, I'm actually back in the area. Um, I did not stay in the area, but I'm back in. in Greencastle for my reunion weekend at DePauw, and also with my son, who is a student at DePauw, and working there this summer. So what I'd like to know is, what do you hear from your parents about what Bloomington was like, and how has Bloomington changed and evolved from what you can see? Or is it a place that's pretty much, you know, a, a little town that time forgot, that's pretty much stayed the same? Um, well, I know that... Uh, this is Keeler. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey guys. <laughs> um, I know uh, my parents moved to... Um, they didn't move to Bloomington. They moved right outside of Bloomington. But we wanted to be near Bloomington um, because it is, it's such a great town. And my dad calls it the gem of the Midwest. I mean, it, it's in the middle of... I mean, all, there's a very, um, a very uh, common um, approach to politics and everything um, throughout Indiana and then there's Bloomington and it's right smack dab in the middle and it's so different and it gives all these different um, all these different ideas, all new ideas that contrast with um, the rest of Indiana and I, I'm really glad I was able to grow up next to Bloomington it's, it's really been amazing Has anyone else ever heard Bloomington called an oasis? Yes, yes <laughs> Lisa, where do you live now? Um, I uh, live in Venice, Florida and then I spend a Times up in Western Massachusetts. Okay. And I worked for years in New York. Okay. So you want some endorsements about moving back to Bloomington? Is that what you're uh, seeking? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I guess I'm just I'm just curious, and it, and it did strike me. You know, I graduated from high school in 1977, and I don't recall. Um, People saying, yes, I want to come back to Bloomington or I want to stay in Bloomington. So I'm just I'm just interested to hear, you know, so many of you endorsing Bloomington and Indiana, uh, because I guess I I'm and I'm an example. You know, we couldn't wait to get out. Mm-hmm. All right, Rachel. It seems like a great place to raise a family, which is what we're all eventually like. After you pursue your own goals, then you're like, what are the goals for my next generation? Mm-hmm. So it. it it has great opportunities and it has uh, seasons, and <laughs> unlike Texas, <laughs> and it, it's just there's so many things you can do here. Yeah, it's not partial to anything. I don't think. Well, besides basketball. <laughs> right, right. Well, I think I, at the root of uh, Lisa's question, I think it's been sort of a uh, I don't know. It's, it's been a st- stereotypical fact that young people don't really want to – you grow up in a community 
And it's like, okay, I'm done with that. I got to go someplace else. I mean, I, a lot of people who live in Bloomington today did not grow up here. There's no question. They came here, they got a new experience, and they stayed or they came here for another reason. So I think if I am being fair to your question, I think that's sort of at the root of it. Um, Katie, you're sort of nodding your head. What do you what, what do you think about this whole issue? Well, um I, when I when Lisa first asked her question, I was feeling like I couldn't answer it because my parents aren't from Bloomington, and um, we, they moved here for a job opportunity right before I was born. So I'm the only one in my family that's been born here, and but I, so I don't really understand why I'm the one that's in love with it. I mean, I guess the <laughs> hometown thing, but um, but I've just I've never felt that itch to get out, and I, I don't even really feel it now because I feel, I feel much younger than my peers because I, I, I've never really clashed all that much with my parents. So I don't even have the get-out-of-home kind of itch really yet, and I'm hoping that that develops in mid-August. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but likewise, it's never developed with Bloomington. Um, I'm glad to go out and see other places, but Greencastle is, is really just rural Indiana, like Keeler yeah. was talking earlier. So... Um, Maybe it'll give me the opportunity to see the world and travel abroad or something. But other than that, um, hopefully, I'll, I don't know. I just want to come back. So. Um, this is Rachel. I feel like Bloomington is a small town with big town benefits <laughs> because of the college. So you like the small town effect, but then you have all the opportunities of the big town. So uh, that's a big draw for us to come back, I think. I, what other town has that? <laughs> okay, Lisa, any uh, follow-up? I, I think maybe, um, you know, maybe Bloomington... Um, has evolved some since I don't know if it was my generation or it was my town, but um, I only have a couple of people I know from high school who are in Bloomington. You know, most of us scattered, so it's really interesting. I think. I think. I, well, this is Stephen. Um, I think you might be. I think you might be right on that in the, the sense that Bloomington's changed in the last uh, last couple of decades. I. I mean, I've. I only moved here when I was ten, so I've only been here for about seven years, not even a decade. And uh, but just recently, I was actually at a. I was listening to a speaker who had moved to Bloomington in the '60s, and she was explaining how she had seen Bloomington change over time. When she got here, uh, she was talking about how there weren't any sidewalks in front of her house. And uh, she explained how the university expanded and how um, it went from a, a 10,000-student university to a 20,000, then a 30,000, then a 40,000. And the, the influence of the university has really become a huge part of Bloomington. And, but on top of that, it's, it's interesting, especially um, in, in the summer, how Bloomington still maintains its own identity. It's got, it's got the university, and the university has become so much bigger. And it's got um, – I think that's where uh, – Keeler's point where a lot of ideas – Come from, from come from the university. A lot of ideas unique to Southern Indiana, but then at the same time, Bloomington's got uh, that small town feel that Rachel mentioned. Uh, there's when when the students leave, we're down to about a sixty thousand population, and we but we still have our we still have our putt putt, and we still have our <laughs> buffaloes, and we still have our, our Kirkwood, and that uh, this the kind of mix. It's it's really interesting this mix. I've uh, I've again, I'm only eighteen, so I've only lived in really two spots, and I've only traveled here and there. But it's it's really cool how Bloomington is such a mix now and I'm not I don't I don't know what it was like back in uh, 77 but I'm not sure if that mix was still there yeah hey uh, I can actually weigh in because I moved here in 1976 and you graduated in 1977 and I'll tell you that it's changed a lot but it's been an evolution as opposed to any kind of um, revolution I mean it really has just Uh, continued to to uh, grow into a more and more in my opinion a more and more accepting community and a more um, a more diverse community, and it's it's larger. There's no doubt, um, but uh, there's a lot that's been going on here. So, anyway, I'll help answer that question. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate all the input. You've really made me curious about Bloomington again. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Come back and check out Kirkwood sometime. <laughs> that's right. All right. Thanks a lot for the call, uh, Stephen. You were listening to Charlotte Zitlow speak at Rotary that day. I, I, yeah, that's, I was. Where, that, that's where all those things came. All that for historic sure. look. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that. All right, we have about three minutes to go, and I, I really want to give you all a sort of a, a chance to to talk about you know you, your as I said before, you're not representing. I mean, you, you don't have to represent your generation, but from what you know of being 18 now, I mean, what what are what are the things that you know you're you're most excited about as you embark um, on, you know, the next phase of your life? Um, and are there things that you're worried about? Caleb, we're going to start with you. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> um, 
for me, I mean, I get along great with my parents, but it's it's gonna be on my getting on my or living on my own, and um, it's gonna be ordering a pizza without having to have permission, and <laughs> um, it's also just I I'm gonna go to college and learn what I want to learn now. I'm gonna specialize in what I want to do in the future, and you never I'm at least I have the I like to think that I'm not going to be sitting in class and thinking why am I learning this you know in high school sometimes you get that feeling that you're in classes that you're forced to take to get your certain diploma and you don't feel necessarily that it's helping I mean obviously you you need to learn it but it's not helping you for what you want to do in the future and college I think it has that uh as I mentioned uh, earlier you're learning for the sake of learning and you're learning to better yourself for what you want to do in the future and I think that the whole idea of just Doing something that you actually can see tangibly in the future is going to help you is what most excites me. Okay. Very, very quickly, Rachel. I'm kind of excited. I, most people probably wouldn't be excited about this, but I'm excited to realize how much I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> realize mm-hmm. that um, you're in high school and you really aren't the big dog and you mm-hmm. don't know how this is working. So I'm excited to realize that and have that revelation and then say, okay, bring it on. Mm-hmm. That's a really big question, uh-huh. and I don't have an answer for you. Okay. I just, I'm just gonna kind of go with it. That's okay. kind of my general approach to life. So <laughs> excellent. All right, Stephen. My biggest excitement is uh, throughout the whole high school thing, and, and even back in middle school, I really felt the last several years I've been trying to figure out who I am, and I'm really excited to see who I am. Mm-hmm. I think that's gonna happen in the next couple of years, and I'm looking forward to that. And my biggest fear is that just the other day it hit me. I've got about. Two months left with my family before mm-hmm. I'm out, and it's I uh, love my family, and I want to I want to live on my own, but it, it is gonna I'm gonna miss them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and the summers and the summers during my sophomore junior year, I'm not sure I'm gonna come back. It might be an internship, so we'll see how that works. All out. Right. All right, Keeler, we got 15 seconds. All right, um, uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay. tied. Um, in high school, I mean, you learn a whole bunch of memorization stuff, and I'm ready to go to college, and I'm ready to learn about why I learned all the stuff I had to memorize. Okay. I'm ready to figure out what I want to do with it. So I'm excited. All right. <laughs> all right. You guys are fantastic. I appreciate your being here. It's Steven Zerfus, Caitlin Adams, Caleb Goss, Rachel Faulkner, and Keeler Gilbert. For uh, producer Ariana Prothero, engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.